0: section nine of the age of the condottieri by oscar browning this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. chapter four francesco sforza frederick the third II, the second part three the affairs of genoa now become of importance for italian history genoa which had for a long time been subject to milan recovered its liberty in 1438. There was an old naval rivalry between the Genoese and the Catalans, which made the Genoese the persistent enemies of Alfonso of Aragon. The two principal families in Genoa were the Adorni and the Campo Fregosi, of great power but of plebeian origin. The old nobility found themselves excluded from offices in power. In 1441, john antonio del fiesco placed himself at the head of the ancient families of the doria and spinola allied himself with the duke of milan and the king of naples and attacked the power of tommaso campo fregoso who was then doge at the close of fourteen forty two the doge was suddenly deposed and the government committed to a balia of eight men of whom raffaele adorno was one Almost immediately afterwards he was elected doge but with limited power. Peace was now concluded with Alfonso of Naples, and quiet continued for a short time. In 1447 Raffaele Adorno was forced to give way to his cousin Bernabo. He was in his turn driven out, and was succeeded by more than one of the family of Campo Fregoso. In fact, out of the thirty-one doges who reigned between thirteen thirty nine and fifteen twenty seven seven are adorni and fourteen campo fregosi from fourteen forty six no other names but these are seen upon the roll in fourteen fifty three piero fregoso was unable as doge to defend the colony of pera and the other genoese settlements on the black sea as well as the island of corsica had to be surrendered to the Bank of St. George, a trading company invested with powers of government similar to the old East India Company of England. Alfonso was embittered against Genoa from the favor which it had always shown to France, and especially toward Rene of Anjou, and he gave his support to the family of the Adorni. Piero Campo Fragoso saw no other hope of safety than to seek help from France in fourteen fifty eight charles the seventh king of france was solemnly declared lord of genoa and he sent as his representative john of calabria son of rene of anjou the titular king of naples alfonso continued the war with great vigour against this new enemy but died on june twenty seventh fourteen fifty eight after his death the throne of naples was again disputed aragon and sicily went to his brother ferdinando naples he left to his natural son ferdinand who was generally known as don ferrante alfonso had endeavoured to secure the peaceable succession of ferrante by marrying a son and daughter of ferrante to a son and daughter of francesco sforza calixtus the third notwithstanding the benefits he had received from king alfonso refused to recognize his natural son as his heir. He rather supported the claims of John of Calabria of the house of Anjou, and it is probable that his real object was to secure the throne of Naples for one of his nephews. If the Pope had conceived any idea of the infamy with which the advancement of his sister's sons would stain the name of Borgia, he would have suffered them to remain in the obscurity of valencia the race of the borgias and medieval rome has been compared with that of the claudii in the ancient city they were by nature strong of body full of passion ambitious unprincipled appropriately represented by the bull which they bore on their arms two of them young immature men he made cardinals adopted them and gave them his own name the third don pedro luis his uncle's favourite was designated for a throne either that of naples cyprus or byzantium the vatican was overrun by spaniards the spanish language took the place of the italian the faction of the borgias the spanish orthography is borja went by the name of the catalans don pedro luis borja was the most powerful and the most brilliant man in rome when he saw the pope's death approaching he fled from the vengeance of the romans and retired to civita vecchia where he died of fever his uncle calixtus the third expired on the day succeeding his flight august sixth fourteen fifty eight the successor of calixtus the third in the papacy was a remarkable man early known to the world aeneas silvius piccolomini sprung from a noble family of the city of siena who now took the name of Pius the second in the conclave cardinal bessarion had said that he would not vote for piccolomini because he had a disease in his feet and that the church threatened by the turks had need of a very active head the event shows how much he was mistaken the new pope had first made himself known as a poet and a man of letters in fourteen thirty he became secretary to cardinal capronica and accompanied him to the council of Basel. he travelled all over europe and was one of the first cultivated europeans to become acquainted with the condition of germany his life is full of romance once in a storm off the coast of scotland he made a vow that if he were saved he would walk barefoot to the nearest chapel of pilgrimage and he suffered all his life from gout in consequence of the performance of his vow. He was created Poet Laureate of Frankfurt by the Emperor Frederick III. He was afterwards Secretary to Frederick's Chancellor, Kaspar Schlick. In 1445 he left the Emperor for the Pope, took orders, and was made a Bishop by Nicholas V. He did not finally leave Germany till 1455, when he was sent to convey the homage of the Emperor to Pope Calixtus. He was made a cardinal in the following year. He had lived a life as varied and as full of interest as a condottiere. He had attained high rank, but had not been able to amass a fortune. At the conclave it was difficult to obtain a majority. Astute de Ville, archbishop of Rouen, was the favourite candidate. But there were objections to having a French pope. At last, Rodrigo Borgia arose and said, I vote for the Cardinal of Siena. The rest followed his example, and Piccolomini heard of his election with tears. His very election was a sign of revolution. For the first time a travelled, cultivated, astute man of the world was seen upon the papal throne. He took the name of Pius as a natural accompaniment to that of Aeneas. He would say of himself, sum pius fama super notus. the emperor was delighted with the choice Pius the second was fifty-three years of age when he assumed the tiara small and weak bald-headed looking pale and aged a martyr to the gout men who expected to find in him a literary pope a second nicholas v were disappointed the one object of his efforts was the recovery of constantinople from the turks he summoned the princes of christendom to meet at mantua for the discussion of this common object he said that god had made him pope to liberate the church from this affliction he was sensible enough to recognise ferrante as king of naples we must return to the affairs of genoa which we left in the hands of the french In the spring of 1461, Paolo Campo Fregoso, Archbishop of Genoa, and Prospero Adorno, forgetting their quarrel for the moment, entered the city and drove the French back into the castle. After some vicissitudes, Adorno was elected doge, and the Genoese asked Sforza to assist them in driving out the French. The battle took place on July 17, 1461, the day of Sant'Alesio the french were entirely defeated and it was ordered that the victory should be commemorated by an annual festival after the battle the animosities between the two rival families again broke out and ludovico campo fregoso was made doge in fourteen sixty one charles the seventh of france died and was succeeded by louis the eleventh he had always been a friend of sforza and he now made him a present of savona together with his rights over milan at the beginning of fourteen sixty three paolo campofragoso the archbishop became doge of genoa and was recognized by pious the second his rule was so tyrannical as to be unbearable and his first thought was to take vengeance on those who had at any time opposed him sforza sent gaspare vi marcate to press his claims to the city and in april fourteen sixty four sforza was recognised as lord of genoa the congress of mantua led to but little result the pope delivered a great oration on september twenty sixth fourteen fifty nine he showed that if the turks conquered hungary there would be no obstacle to their progress passing through Carniola and Trieste, they might descend upon Italy with the same ease with which they might disembark at Brindisi. He proclaimed a crusade on January 14, 1460, and so closed the Congress. Notwithstanding the zeal of the pontiff, the plan for a crusade appeared to languish. There was a great want of money, This was unexpectedly supplied by the discovery of some alum mines at Tolfa in the neighborhood of Civitavecchia by Giovanni de Castro, a friend of the Piccolomini family. He wrote to the Pope, I announce to you victory over the Turks. These mines continued to be profitably worked till 1814, when artificially made alum took the place of the natural mineral. In 1463, the Pope told the astonished world that he would lead the crusade himself. In the Bull of October 22, 1463, he says, We will not fight with the sword, because our feeble hand can scarcely raise itself to bless the people. We will fight not with the sword, but with prayer. We will stand on high on the poop of the ship, or on a high hill near the battle to bless our friends and to curse our enemies." the pope although he knew that he was dying determined to travel to ancona where the crusading fleet was to rendezvous he left rome on june eighteenth fourteen sixty four the prelates and the people took leave of him at the Ponte mole and he continued his journey with a few companions he reached ancona on july eleventh he found in the town some thirty thousand french and spanish adventurers who when they discovered that the pope had no intention of paying their expenses retired to their homes there were only two papal galleys in the harbour on august twelfth the doge cristoforo moro arrived with twelve galleys from the window of his palace the pope gazed at the venetian fleet as it entered the port and fixed the day of assumption august fifteenth for receiving the doge but on that day he died when the cardinals had finished the sacred rites he called them round his bed and said my hour is come god calls me he spoke of the crusade which he had twice attempted and asked pardon for his many shortcomings his last words were addressed to the cardinal of pavia whom he begged to pray for his soul the forty thousand ducats found in the pope's chest were given to Matthias, king of hungary everyone felt that after the pope's death the crusade was at an end on august sixteenth the doge left ancona and returned to venice on august twenty third francesco sforza was now nearing his end we have already alluded to the marriage of his daughter Ippolita maria with alfonso of calabria son of ferrante king of naples frederick the brother of alfonso came to milan in the summer of fourteen sixty five to receive the bride But when the marriage train had reached siena it was stopped by order of the duke this was caused by the death of giacomo piccinino who had been treacherously thrown into prison by ferrante the circumstances which attended this would be incredible if they were not supported by irrefragible evidence piccinino had come to milan from his capital solmona in the summer of fourteen sixty four at the request of sforza the duke received him with every demonstration of affection and gave him the hand of his daughter drusiana piccinino then left for solmona intending to go to naples if he could do so with safety he sent one of his friends brocardo persico to sound the intentions of ferrante and his reports were most reassuring piccinino therefore went to naples but there is no doubt that his death which was warmly desired by ferrante because he was an adherent of the angevin party had already been conceded by sforza as a price of alliance with naples as a mark of friendship sforza had given to piccinino pietro pusterla one of his own orators or official speakers and there is no doubt that this man was thoroughly informed of sforza's most secret intentions and had no other design than that of conducting piccinino to death suddenly the mask was removed on st john's day june twenty fourth when both naples and milan were gay with festivity piccinino came to the castello nuovo to take leave of ferrante as he desired to return to solmona to meet his wife Drusiana. he was received with affection but was suddenly seized and imprisoned together with his son francesco and others ferrante justified his conduct in a circular letter full of empty phrases addressed to the potentates of italy drusiana who had not reached solmona returned to her uncle alessandro in pesaro the Bracceschi soldiery of piccinino insulted and oppressed took refuge with domenico malatesta and the territories of piccinino yielded themselves spontaneously to ferrante the pope and the king of france accused sforza of having consented to the imprisonment of piccinino sforza wrote a long letter of sorrow and expostulation to naples and to gain more credit for his innocence he stopped the marriage train of Ippolita at siena and sent his son tristan to demand the liberation of the prisoner on july seventh a battle took place between the aragonese and the angevin fleece in the bay of naples Ferrante was victorious. It was said that Piccinino, anxious to see what was going on, had climbed upon a table in his cell and had fallen down and broken his leg. Certainly he died a few days afterwards, in all probability strangled by order of Ferrante. Tristan wrote from Naples to urge that Piccinino, being dead, could not be brought to life again, and that Ippolita's marriage had better be concluded. The Pope, the Florentines, and Ferrante joined in the entreaty, and Hippolita entered Naples on September 14, 1465. The letters found by Bucer in the National Library at Paris and published by him in 1879 leave no doubt that Sforza was privy to this disgraceful act of treachery. Sforza's last enterprise was to assist his friend Louis the Eleventh in the war against his vassals, which ended with the Peace of Conflans. For this purpose, he sent his eldest son Galeazzo Maria to command his troops, and the young prince was permitted to don the fleur de lis of France as an addition to his arms. Francesco died after two days' illness on March eighth, fourteen sixty six, at the age of sixty five, of Section nine.